We'd like to thank Notre Dame Federal Credit Union for helping to underwrite the Building Through Him podcast. In the last year alone, Notre Dame FCU served more than 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com. Hello, welcome to the Building Through Him podcast. I'm Mary Jo Parrish. I'm the founder of Kingdom Builders, and today's episode is Behold, I Make All Things New. And just so you know, you are always loved and always welcome here. I always like to start off with some funny stories because the Lord loves to hear us laugh, right? We need more joy in our lives. So we're talking about the brain today, which connects to, Lord, I make all things new, right? So God designed us with body, mind, and spirit, and specifically the mind, the brain, that got me thinking about some specific skills that my brain has, which I bet your brain might have as well. Occasionally, when I'm running late and talking on the phone, I lose my phone because I forget that it's smashed against my face and I'm talking on it. This always cracks me up. But one time I was talking to my sister on the phone and of course I'm running late and trying to get out the door. And I asked her, I said, oh my gosh, I said out loud, I can't find my phone. And made me feel so much better afterwards because she said, okay, Mary Jo, where's the last place you had it? I'm like, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think. I think I was in the bathroom and calling you. Never mind. We're talking right now. I got to (laughs) go get off the phone. It's not just me. Other people talking to my phone also struggle. Sometimes when I'm talking to my kids, it takes me, like when I'm trying to get their attention, so long to get to the right child, right? So, Logan, Aiden, a lot of times I actually will add in our dog that died three and a half years ago. And by the time, then I get to the point where I'm just so frustrated that I actually will forget what I'm going to say. And I'm like, oh, forget it. Forget it. It's not even worth it. But this isn't just with me. I like to think sometimes it's mom brain, but no, there's dad brain too. He does the same thing. He looked at my son Landon, sorry, my son Aiden, and looked right at him and said, Landon, hand me that book. And my son Aiden smiled at him. And he said, Landon, hand me the book. And he smiled again. And he said, Landon, why are you being disobedient? And he said, my name's not Landon. And my husband started cracking up. So the brain is this mystery. So we're going to talk about it today. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on, all ages will call me blessed. The Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is His name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear Him. He has shown might with His arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart. He has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. The hungry He has filled with good things. The rich He has sent away empty. He has helped Israel His servant, remembering His mercy, according to His promise, to our fathers, to Abraham, and to His descendants forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. So in Kingdom Builders, we always talk about our foundation very first, right? We pray for a minimum of 10 minutes a day. We allow ourselves the time to receive God's love, to sit at the foot of the cross and just love Him and be loved in return. No matter what's going on, a minimum of 10 minutes a day. We go to church on Sunday, right? We honor the Sabbath. 
And then the third thing is we stay in a state of grace or struggling with any type of mortal sin. We are asking the Lord to show us how to get out of that. We need to go to confession, a self-help group, seek counseling, whatever we need to do to get ourselves out of that mortal sin. And then we build ourselves, build others, and build the church. Another thing we do in Kingdom Builders is we talk about our crown jewel strategy. As women, if you're a man listening to this, you should be doing this as well. But women are the last thing that God created, right? So we're the crown jewel of his creation. And the Lord desires us to treat ourselves like that. So he wants us to plan out our week, but to seek his will when we plan it. And then we do it. And then we reflect on how the week went. Where did we find greater peace or greater joy? What decreased our peace or joy? And then we make adjustments. And then we do it the same way again. Plan, do, reflect, adjust. And this way, we allow the Lord to lead us. And then we are listening to him to know what increases our peace and joy and what decreases our peace and joy. So tonight's topic, Behold, I Make All Things New. So today's topic, Behold, I Make All Things New. You're going to hear me reference some books during this podcast and also quotes. And if you're like, oh my gosh, I want that book, but I'm driving right now. All of our quotes and sources can be found on our website. If you go to buildingthroughhim.com and click on resources, it'll say gathering notes. And so these are the things that we hand out at every monthly gathering. They change each month with the quotes and sources that we use. And this will allow you to, you know, to have those quotes on hand so you don't have to write any quote down furiously. You can just receive. So our unconscious minds have been building trillions of thoughts since the moment of our conception. It's weird, right? But it's true. And our thoughts are real things that occupy mental space. They really do. They occupy mental space. So sometimes when I go to the grocery store, I'll be thinking about like dinner prep, like what am I going to make for dinner? Then what ingredients do I already have? What ingredients do I need? Then I drive there and I have to go to the, like walk through the aisles and what things a good price, what things will my kids actually eat? You know, all these decisions, decisions, decisions. And then I finally get back home, unload the groceries, da, 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 da. And then I'm like so decision exhausted, not because I've like worked out or anything, right? I've just walked around a store and put things in a cart, okay? My brain's exhausted, Because those thoughts, those decisions take up real space. I'm like, I'm not making dinner. I'm just calling in pizza. So I've got $350 of groceries and I'm calling in pizza because my brain is mentally tired. Our thoughts take up real space in our mind. There's a neuroscientist, her name is Dr. Caroline Leaf. And she talks about these thoughts, she calls them thought trees because they actually really do look like trees. Every thought we have, every single thought we have, creates proteins that come together and form little trees within our brain, every thought we have. And then we can grow branches from that tree, redesign branches, add on branches. And all of them are wired for love. They're wired to grow in a positive direction, right? Because God created us for joy. So whatever we're thinking about, Whatever we're meditating on, whatever we're directing our attention towards, is a mind activity that's actually becoming a physical reality. Isn't that crazy? It's from Philippians 4.8. 
Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Think about these things. There's incredible power in our thought. It can grow in our brain into two types of thought trees. We've talked about, you know, the beautiful thought trees were created for love, we're wired for love, right? But there's also another type of thought tree. And we're just going to call them the creepy thought trees, okay? There's not an official name. Dr. Caroline Leaf refers to them as Halloween trees. So if you've ever seen like a creepy black Halloween tree, it grows in all these different ways. There's such incredible power in our thought, right? And when we recognize that, we can adjust our thinking. So when we have a negative thought, when we're angry or irritated or unforgiving, we actually don't have the brain structures to support this. And so our brain doesn't make beautiful trees, right? It makes the Halloween trees. It makes proteins that are distorted and tangled. It makes those creepy trees, right? Because we're not wired to support that. So the body responds to that negative thought the same way it would respond to a virus or an infection or an injury, right? Our body actually responds to it. So my daughter was recently bit by a dog in her arm. She's fine now. But after she got bit, the body released proteins from her immune system that went to the site of the injury, created inflammation, which is a protective response. It got swollen. It got purple. Okay, she she healed fine. But this was an actual physical response to a dog bite. But guess what? This is the same reaction. This is the same process that happens within us when we have a toxic thought. We actually have a physical response to toxic thoughts. They send proteins to the site of that toxic thought that creates the inflammation. Negative thoughts literally make us sick. They do. They make us sick. Isn't that crazy? This is 2 Corinthians 10.5. We bring every thought into captivity and obedience to Christ. So we know that our body is good. So if you've ever like like hated your body or like thought to yourself, I look so fat in these jeans, my body is crap or whatever you thought, you need to stop that, right? That's a lie of the enemy. Your body is good. Your body is beautiful. The Lord loves your humanity. He loves it, right? He created it. Our body is good. And God created our body for health, for life, and for blessing. We were created for peace and joy. So God desires us to recognize how we allow the circumstances that surround us to impact our mind, our body, and our spirit. And God desires us to lift our minds to him so that he can make all things new. This is Colossians 3.1. Brothers and sisters, if then you are raised with Christ, seek what is it above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Think what is above, not what is on the earth. 
So we know that we are made of three parts. We have our body, right? We have our mind, our brain, and then we have our spirit slash soul, okay? Three parts, body, mind, soul, or body, mind, spirit. They're all connected, completely connected. So we can't just think to ourselves, oh, I just really want to pray, but I also don't want to take care of my body and I don't want to exercise. I don't want to do anything good. They're all connected, right? And they're all good. Our spirit, our soul, our spirit was created to be in tandem with the Holy Spirit, right? In tandem. If you've ever done a tandem bike or a tandem kayak, it should be you in the back and the Holy Spirit in the front, right? When our thoughts are directed towards God, we build these beautiful thought trees. That's when we're in tandem with the Holy Spirit. This is Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The Holy Spirit's power comes to us when we're completely open to receiving Him, right? And we want that power. We want that power, right? So what creepy thought trees would veil or block the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Pride and unforgiveness. So pride is not wanting to admit we made a mistake or that we need to apologize, right? Unforgiveness, not wanting to forgive those who have hurt us, okay? In a book called Hold Me Tight by Dr. Sue Johnson, she talks about the elements of an apology. And I had never known that there was elements of an apology. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So the first thing is, we communicate the injury, okay? So if, let's say, your husband, you're trying to have a conversation with your husband, and when he walks in the door and he's looking at his phone. So the first thing that happens is the hurt person speaks plainly and openly the fact that they're hurt. So I would say to my husband, hey, when you looked at your phone instead of at me when I was talking to you, it made me feel rejected, okay? So that's the first thing we do. There's this meme, and it said, when a woman says, do whatever you want, do not do whatever you want. Because women are not often great about communicating their needs or when they're hurt, okay? And if you're a woman listening to this podcast, I just want to remind you, you deserve to be seen, heard, known, and loved. Remember, other people cannot read your mind. They cannot. So we have to communicate with others when they hurt us, okay? So the first thing is we communicate the injury. The next thing is the person who hurt us would acknowledge the pain. That means the injuring person seriously acknowledges that they care about the other person's pain. So maybe my husband would say back to me, me looking at my phone made you feel unheard and hurt by me, okay? So just acknowledge the pain. Sometimes you will see that people keep bringing up the same injury over and over and over. And if you've ever been in a fight where maybe someone said like, you keep talking about that pain from 10 years ago. Why do you keep talking about it? I told you I was sorry. You know, something like that. Until the injured person sees that their pain has been truly recognized, it is very difficult to find healing. So if you hear someone bring something up over and over and over again, 
no one's acknowledged their pain. No one's acknowledged it. They skip te- step two, okay? So we communicate the injury, acknowledge the pain, and then there's the ownership of the behavior. So the injuring person takes ownership of how they inflicted the injury. So maybe my husband would say back to me, I should have put my phone away when I got home and listened when you talked to me. So something really simple like that. And then there's the actual apology. So communicate the injury, acknowledge the pain, own the behavior, and apologize. So the injuring person expresses regret or remorse. I'm so sorry I hurt you. Would you forgive me? And then the most important step is forgiveness. So the hurt person receives the apology and forgives the injury. So I forgive you. And then you move on. So that would be the ideal apology, five steps. Pride and unforgiveness are the creepy trees that distort our ability for authentic relationship, okay? So if we're struggling with pride and unforgiveness, we struggle with that five-step apology, right? Because you have to admit you're wrong. You have to recognize the pain that you caused or vice versa. So those really distort our ability for authentic relationship. Humility and forgiveness are really challenging trees to grow, but they are so beautiful and fragrant because they reflect that sacrificial love of Jesus, humility and forgiveness. And God knows this. God desires authentic and deep relationship with us. So guess where we see this? The Mass. So when we begin the Mass, we start with communicating an injury. The priest says, Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. Right then, we should be asking the Lord, How have I hurt you? Let him communicate with you. Hear what he's saying. And we're silent there. And then we acknowledge the pain that we caused, right? We acknowledge that pain. We say, I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I've failed to do, okay? So the injury is communicated. We acknowledge the pain. And now we own the behavior. We're not like, oh, sorry, and then kind of walk away. We actually take a physical response. We put our hand in the shape of a fist and we pound our chest to say how much we own that behavior through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. You're not saying, well, everyone else is doing it. I'm sorry, will you look at your phone too when you get home from work? No, no, no. You own the behavior, right? And then we apologize. The priest actually asks for our forgiveness on our behalf. So he says, may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. And that's just beautiful. He goes to God for us. And this is the really cool part. When we say together, asking for God's mercy, the priest says, Lord, have mercy. And we repeat, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And then there's step five, where we receive God's forgiveness and just rejoice in his goodness. And we do this by repeating the words that were given to the angels to sing over Jesus when he was first born. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill, 
right? And then we continue it on. We praise you. We bless you. We adore you. We glorify you. We give you thanks. We go on and on. And then we just praise him for what he's actually doing. You take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world. Receive our prayer. Our full apology in receiving God's forgiveness and mercy allows us to lay all of our humanity before him. All of it. So we just take whatever we're holding on to, we just let that go, and then we open our hands to receive him. So only after we've done the penitential rite do we receive God in his word and in the Eucharist. This is the path to deep, authentic relationship, and it is how God makes us new. So I don't know if any of you have ever wiped a tear off of someone's face, or maybe we've had someone wipe a tear off of our face. But if a stranger or an acquaintance was to put their hands on your face to wipe away a tear, what would your reaction be? Yeah, that would be creepy, right? Because it's very intimate. It's only done usually by a mother, a father, or a spouse, right? It's Revelations 21, 3, and 4. He will dwell within them. And they will be his people. And God himself will always be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. We know that the touching of one's face is deeply intimate. And the touching of one's face in the moment of deep sorrow is even more intimate. And that is how close the Lord desires to come to us. It's actually what we were created for. St. Ignatius of Loyola, what has he done for me? He has loved me and given me his whole self. What shall I do for him? I shall love him and give myself to him without reserve. So when God took on flesh and became man, Jesus, he made himself infinitely vulnerable. And he invites us into that spirit of St. Veronica when she wiped his face, to be vulnerable with him. He desires we come to him with our deepest needs, our deepest hopes, struggles, feelings, because God loves all of our humanity, loves all of our body, our mind, and our soul. So no matter what mistakes or struggles we're going through, God doesn't leave us vulnerable. He doesn't. Luke 24, 49, until you are clothed with power from on high. God does not expect us to operate without the power of the Holy Spirit. He wants all of us, body, mind, and soul, to be clothed in his power. So we can come to him completely vulnerable and be real, right? Because authentic relationship is raw and real. So these actually have been some statements I've said to God. I don't want to pray. I have a lot of other stuff that needs to be done. I'm totally distracted, but I'm here in prayer, and I surrender it all to you. I cannot stand my kids and my husband right now. I can't even believe this is my actual life. How do you end up with 10 kids? But I'm still here. I'm here in prayer and I surrender my marriage and my family and all of myself to you. God, I am feeling so badly 
my spiritual life's a mess. My business life's a mess. I'm making terrible decisions. My sins are everywhere. But I'm still in prayer. And I surrender all of myself to you. We never need to worry about the Lord rejecting us. He desires raw, real, and authentic relationship with each of us. John 14, 23. My Father will love her, and we will come to her and make our dwelling with her. Another book um, I've been reading lately is uh, Personal Prayer, A Guide for Receiving the Father's Love. And um, these two priests describe how God desires a personal relationship with each of us. And they explain that this relationship can be difficult to find in prayer if we think of God as loving billions of people over thousands of years. It could seem like his love is like a general love for people, like a global love. In general, love is just not enough for personal relationship. God loves each of us uniquely. God loves each of us personally. God loves each of us individually. So St. Teresa of Avila, there is a much greater difference between people's souls than between their faces. Hmm, isn't that cool? So God loves all of us as if there were only one of us, and he wants that intimate, unique, and personal relationship with each of us, no matter where we are at or what we have done. God can make it new again. But this can be difficult to believe if we think of God as like some abstract concept or some distant being. Jesus is not simply an idea or concept. He's a real person who seeks relationship with us. And he is present with us. This relationship is about being present. So if we haven't really felt like the Lord really being present with us, if we felt like he's like this distant, abstract being, how do we really embrace his presence in our relationship? St. Francis de Sales has an idea for us. Begin all prayer, whether mental or vocal, by an act of the presence of God. So he's basically saying, you pretend he's right there with you. Not pretend, you visualize him right there with you. If you observe this rule strictly, you will see how useful it is. So, We know that the primary reason God gave us an imagination was for prayer, right? In several ways, we can think about the presence of God when we're in prayer. And he says to do this, to begin our prayer doing this. So before we go to pray, we can think of maybe the spirit descending within us like a wind, maybe moving through our heart, mind, and soul. Or if you really love babies, Visualize baby Jesus just resting in your arms or maybe upon your shoulder, like in the crook of your neck. Start your prayer like that. Or maybe you want to think of Jesus as a grown man sitting beside you and listening and supporting you. I like to think of Jesus when I'm driving kids around in the front seat with me, like Jesus, like just kind of talk to them. And sometimes I'll just keep my hand outstretched in the center console, just pretending, not, not pretending, visualizing his hand touching my hand and like him being there with me. We can think of God the Father carrying us on his shoulders as like little children 
there is so many possibilities for visualization, but the depth of our prayer will be so much more impacted if we begin by visualizing his presence. He wants his spirit to be in tandem with our spirit, not just with our souls, but our whole being. So when we surrender our veil, anything that we're trying to keep hidden from him, we become totally vulnerable to him. St. John Oudes, Finally, you are one with Jesus. As the body is one with the head, you must then have one breath with him, one soul, one life, one will, one mind, one heart, and he must be your breath, heart, love, life, your all. When we allow Jesus to see all of us, his love surrounds us, and then we are totally free to sink into his presence and claim our peace, to claim our place as a beloved son or daughter of the king. Because within him, within that presence, we become a new creation. Revelations 21.5 Behold, I make all things new. So we remember that every thought we have causes proteins to come together and form little thought trees within our brain, right? And we're going to welcome the Holy Spirit to make all things new. We're going to use the suggestion of St. Francis de Sales to imagine the presence of God within us because we know what we think about, what we meditate on, or direct our attention towards is a mind activity that becomes a physical reality. And we're choosing the physical reality of the Holy Spirit. So if you are not driving, I ask you to close your eyes. Just take a moment and be still, okay? If you're driving, obviously do not close your eyes. So I just want you to take a moment and visualize with me, okay? Be completely open. I'm just going to come Holy Spirit, come. Come Holy Spirit, come. You should be still. Close your eyes. And just let me read this to you. And you just receive it. Envision the wind of the Holy Spirit moving through. It swirls like smoke, but it is pure and perfect. And the Spirit is totally alive. You can see the Spirit moving, searching, and you recognize Him. The Spirit is like a long-lost childhood friend. Your soul rejoices knowing the Spirit is coming to you. You feel the Spirit's longing to be with you. Your spirit yearns for Him. The Holy Spirit sees you and moves swiftly towards you. He pauses before you and awaits your invitation. Invite Him. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Take a deep breath and breathe in the Spirit. Welcome Him within you. Visualize the Spirit moving through your brain and softly dissolving all the creepy trees. 
Some have been growing there since you were a child. Spirit is gently dissolving them one by one. You feel more and more peace and your spirit aligns more perfectly with him. The spirit is now building so many beautiful thought trees. They glow with love and power. The spirit slowly moves down your face, neck, and chest. The spirit rests there in your soul for a moment, and then he moves down your arms into your hands and fingertips, back up to your shoulders, down your back, while restoring every broken cell he encounters. The spirit moves through your stomach, legs, feet, and tingles your toes, and rises once more to find his resting place within your soul. The spirit has found his home within you. You allow yourself to fully sink into his power. You allow yourself to fully receive all the love he desires to pour out. You just receive. Your spirit is in tandem with the Holy Spirit. This is the love. This is the joy God has been desiring to give you your entire life. So, Father, we just come to you today. Just thank you for the blessing of sending us your spirit. Thank you for this time together. We just ask, Lord, for a deeper anointing of your spirit within us. Allow us to be docile to your will. Allow us to reflect your love to the world. Come, Holy Spirit, come. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.